Welcome to Get a Grip with Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Get a Grip podcast. I'm Shane Bacon. Hope you guys are having a fantastic week, kind of a calm before the storm week. Of course, Memorial Week wrapped up on Sunday, and uh, Rosang happened on Sunday. I I wanted to spend just a a couple of minutes on Rose because I talk a lot about the winning skill in this sport in particular. You know, winning is a skill, and some people have it and some people don't, and you know the ones that do and you know the ones that don't. And winning early for someone like Rose, who has as much expectations, anticipation, whatever you want to say about her professional career as anybody that I can remember over the last 10 years in professional golf. I mean, Rose coming up and winning everything she won in amateur golf because she won everything, and she turns professional. And to win the first event she plays, I thought about Jordan Spieth, and I thought about the John Deere and that bunker shot. And, you know, he had a pretty good bunker shot. I think he got lucky as well, kind of bouncing off the flat stick and it going in there to get his first win. I think he was 19 years old when he did it. And then, of course, you think about the next three years of the career of Jordan Spieth and what he was able to do thanks to that early victory as a professional golfer. And on the flip side of things, I think about 09. And I think at the time it was the Fries.com Open. Now it's the Fortinet. But at the time, the Fries.com Open was played in Arizona. And there was a young Ricky Fowler and a young Jamie Lovemark. And if you remember, Jamie Lovemark was the touted guy out of USC. He was the kid that was on the cover of Golf Week. He was going to be the next big thing. And those two young, young players, I think Ricky was making his second or third professional start, got in a playoff at a PGA Tour event. And unfortunately for both of those players, they didn't win. That was Troy Madison that won that playoff back in 2009. You think about the shift in what you're able to do mentally if you get that victory early. It just changes everything about what you think about professional golf and how you approach professional golf. Rose could have gone out yesterday. She didn't play great. I mean, nobody would say she played awesome golf in the final round, but she hung around and hung around and hung around, and it was tough conditions, and nobody else was doing anything. And then she hits that awesome shot in the playoff, and she's a champion on the LPGA Tour already. And it might have been the first start. It might have been the fifth start, but let's just say it was 20 starts, and she hadn't got a win yet. Let's say it was 25 starts, and she hadn't got a win yet. A couple top fives, and she finished second somewhere. But getting that victory, getting the weight off your shoulders, you think about all these young professionals that don't have major championships, and you think about the questions they get asked week to week at these golf tournaments, and especially when they get to major championships, when are you going to get one? What has to change? What's your mentality like? The questions all go away when you win a major. And just like that for Rose, the questions all go away when you win that first event. And as we look back on Rose Zhang's career in five years and ten years, I'm going to remember the Sunday and the shot in the playoff because if she goes on to do what I think a lot of us expect her to do, I will think about the win she got in her first start and how she was able to win with her B or C level game on Sunday. A lot of the greats have won when they didn't have their best stuff. And I think Rose is going to be one of the greats. And uh, to pick off a victory already is absolutely insane. And uh, just kudos to her and, and what she was able to do because I don't think anybody would have written that in her first ever start. Father's Day is coming up. Quick reminder, I wrote a children's golf book. It's called The Golfer Zoo. You can buy it. Go to back9press.com bacon. There are autographed copies on the site as well if you're interested in something like that. 
And uh, just wanted to let you guys know that I'm going to be broadcasting and hosting all of the Corn Ferry Tour uh, events that are on TV this year. All of them are going to be aired on Golf Channel. This is our first week. The BMW Charity Pro-Am get going on Thursday. TV times are a little all over the place. Some of them are live. Some of them are tape delayed. Final round is live, but get going on Thursday, 12 to 2. Friday, I believe it's 8.30 to 10.30, tape delayed. Saturday's a little later, 10.30 to 12.30. But Sunday, as I said, live, 5 to 7. So very excited about that. Get to sit next to James Nitties again for another year. Uh, we chatted on this podcast, and we'll probably do another one uh, at some point in the next few weeks. But that's enough. That's all I got. I plugged the book. I talked about KFT. I hit Rose. Let's get to Reggie Bush. We're joined by the man right there. That's uh, Reggie Bush. Reggie, did you ever think you'd be doing a golf podcast? Is that a thing you ever thought you'd be doing in your life? <laughs> um, as of late, yes, just because I've been playing so much golf, and that's you know where all my focus is now is, is uh, you know in, improving my golf game. So you know, just as of these last you know few four or five years, absolutely. Where is it? You talk about playing a lot, and I know from people that you're obsessed. I've talked to. To Joel yeah. Clad, I just went on a trip with Clad a couple weeks ago. Oh, that nice. whole your whole crew's just they play a lot of golf. Yeah, where's the handicap and how often are you playing a week? Uh, I'm playing now around. I'm playing about two three times a week. Practicing. I have a golf simulator, so I practice you know pretty much every day. Work on my golf game. Um, you know, weekends are usually tough because my kids are in sports. <laughs> Flag football, baseball, basketball. We got soccer. We got tennis going. We got everything. We've covered all the bases over here. Reggie, uh, how are you as a dad on the sideline? Are you calm, collected? Are you hands in your pocket? Are you saying things to players or even potentially a ref or an umpire? Or are you pretty calm? I don't <clears> – I definitely don't trash talk other people's kids. <laughs> I would never do that. <laughs> I, didn't ex- I didn't expect that. Unless they started. Okay. Unless okay, one okay, of their good. kids started with one of my kids, then it's all bets are off. But, nah, it's – you know, it's funny because my son had uh, his flag football playoffs and championship game yesterday. And, you know, some of the coaches, you know, going back and forth, getting into it. And, um, you know, one of the coaches lets his, you know, throws out a swear word and mom's like yelling across the field, don't cuss at my kids. <laughs> and it was crazy, man. I'm just like, all this over flag football. <laughs> you would think that we were, you know, in the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium or something like that. But, you know, I'm the kind of parent where, you know, I'm definitely vocal. I'm definitely yelling, supporting my child, uh, my kids when they're on the field. Uh, my daughter also just had her first soccer goal yesterday. I missed that because I was at my son's, you know, playoff game. So it's a lot of fun, man. I enjoy it. I love being able to coach my kids and just give them the game, man. Just teach them all the things I didn't know. So they all golf, all of them. They all, they, I was going to ask you about golf. And I know you guys do, I, I believe you guys do like a weekly trip to Top Golf. And you guys are, are pretty involved in kind of going and doing that. Yeah. <laughs> was that something you wish you'd have got into earlier in your life? A hundred percent. One hundred percent. I didn't know anything about golf until, you know, obviously until, you know, I got older and played sports and, you know, at the college level. But, you know, golf was not a thing in my area, you know, where I grew up that, you know, was available to, you know, people like me. Um, it was available to, you know, people in the inner city where I live and grew up. It was either football or basketball. So. For me, now that I have found the sport, I'm in love with it. I teach my kids. I actually can't wait. So this is their last week of uh, of school. 
And um, I can't wait because, you know, all summer, you know, we're going to work on our golf game. I'm going to teach them, work on their golf game with them. You know, we're going to have, you know, mornings where we go to the golf course. I'm a member of Sherwood Country Club. So, um, you know, it's one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best facilities that you can practice at, you know, just every day uh, going out on that golf course. You know, I get as much practice as I can. And so now in the summertime, I'm going to take my kids out there as much as I can as well. Yeah, so uh, Sherwood, you're a member at, and I'll be out there in L.A. next week. So I'll just bug you only on about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> go out there and play at some point. We'll have clubs. We'll play. Um, Let's go. So, yeah. I mean, with, with your kids, and, and even even with what you said about the game of golf, and you're saying it wasn't available to you when you were growing up. Yeah. Is that something that you're passionate about, trying to find either an initiative that you want to be involved in or even creating something that, that has your name you know, attached to it? to make golf available to people that maybe it wasn't available to 20 years ago? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think uh, golf is a sport that everybody should play. Um, it's a sport that everybody can play, you know, men, women, um, doesn't matter if you're grandma, grandpa, uh, little kids, little babies, seeing little babies hitting the ball. My son's five years old. He smashes the ball down the fairway, like with, with a three wood. It's a sport that, you know, it's um, encompassing of everybody, you know, and it teaches you a lot. You know, I think it's, you know, I think it's also could be looked at as a game of life as well. You know, you make mistakes. Um, you try to find ways to get better the next time you come out there. Um, you got to be mentally strong, you know, in certain situations. Uh, you got to be, be able to play through adversity. You know, so all these different things I think are so important uh, to some key elements of life that can just help you, you know, day in and day out. And, you know, that's where I try to, you know, coach my kids within sports is, it's, you know, while you're playing sports, you also got to remember that you're, you're playing the game of life. You know, I literally just had this conversation with my daughter on her way to her soccer tournament uh, two days ago. And I was just talking to her about how the things that you learn in soccer can help you in life, can help you every day. Um, and it's the same in all sports, especially golf. Has that obsessive personality that went into weight room and that went into college football and then went into NFL when you get done playing professional sport and you're looking yeah. at other avenues to get interested in, has that obsessive personality that I'm going to be the best at this, I'm going to be the strongest at this, crept into the game of golf? I mean, is there an obsessive nature to the way you go about practicing and trying to improve? 100%. Um, you know, it's it's funny because once I was retired from football, um, and, and for anybody who retires from football, you retire young. Right. You know, we don't retire at – you know, 50, unless you're Tom Brady, <laughs> then you might be retiring in your 50s. He's an outlier. <laughs> <laughs> He's different. But, you know, for running backs, you know, I played 11 years in the NFL, which is considered a long time. And I retired at 31 years old, 32 years old. So, you know, I still felt like an athlete. Um, I just couldn't play, you know, my position and my sport at the highest level anymore. You know, so it's time for me to find other avenues and other ways to still go be an athlete. And that's where golf has really given me that opportunity is um, because I can still train the same way, you know, so I still train uh, with the exception of maybe doing heavy squats. I still do a lot of my football training. Um, I still get out on the field. I still do footwork. I'm still, you know, working on my legs, lifting heavy uh, rotation, core stability, you know, all those things are so important in golf and then strength and power, um, especially when you're hitting a driver, you know, so I'm, I'm utilizing now, um, a lot of the, the the football instincts and football characteristics and workouts and everything that I've built into that game, I'm now using that in golf. And to me, you know, that's the exciting part is because I can stand up on a golf on a tee box and hit it 330 yards, you know, so. When did you get hooked and who got you hooked? 
to golf? My former teammates. You know, one of my my, my best friends. Which team? Which team was that? Uh, so this is my college teammate. His name's Thomas Williams. Okay. Uh, we played at USC, and um, he got me into it in the off season. It was probably like maybe two years before I retired, and I went on a golf course and just thinking I was going to be an athlete. I thought I would, I could just show up and you know hit the ball and you know play the sport and you know obviously I got humbled real quick. So for me, being a competitor that I am, I wanted to get better. So I found a, a golf coach and, you know, started looking up information and just started working on my game. And and that's all it took, you know, one good golf shot. And I was like, I was hooked. It, it's, it's awesome because I think, in my opinion, it's also allowed me to be able to still be an athlete. You know, when, you know, when you retire from a sport, um, when you get a chance to play at a profession at a high level and then you retire from that sport, you kind of go through this identity crisis, you know, who am I going to be now? What am I going to be? What am I going to do? How am I going to still be an athlete? Um, and that's what golf has really given me that, you know, so I really feel that not only has golf, you know, kind of given me um, an opportunity to be an athlete, but it's also allowed me to, to really, you know, just stay busy, stay focused and stay in shape. Is that similar in terms of media for you, Reggie, where, you're not playing the sport, but it gives you an opportunity to talk about it and to be around it and to have the quote unquote team camaraderie, even though obviously you're, you're kind of trading yeah. shoulder pads in for a, for a microphone. Yeah, it is. It's awesome. Um, you know, big noon kickoff, our show on Fox has been great. You know, but this is year four of our show. Our numbers are competing with ESPN game day. Right. If not in some weeks, we're beating ESPN game day. So, um, you know, I think the fans have been receptive to what we've put out, the content, We've been able to put on the show. Um, you know, we're we're definitely younger. You know, I think we're more you know more relevant. You know, when it comes to just you know people remembering us for you know playing on TV and and actually seeing you know some of our games and you know it's awesome. You know, it's, it's awesome to be able to stay in the college space and um, I enjoy it. I've had a great time. You know, uh, the last you know four years I've been on the show. But if I'm being honest, my passion is in golf. Okay. And you kind of spoke about earlier, you know, doing some initiatives just in the sport of golf. And it's actually something that, you know, I've been working on kind of quietly behind closed doors, uh, which is really big. And, and it's, it's kind of my baby. So fingers crossed, everything goes well. But um, hopefully, you know, maybe this time next year, I'll have some some really big news to be able to share with everybody. I wanted to, to talk to you about electric athletes because, I mean, you were an electric athlete. I mean, athletes that seem to pop off the screen you know you yeah like i remember watching iverson growing up and i was just i was like i was a, i was fixed to the screen right i mean you think about golf yeah and when rory's in <laughs> contention or jordan Spieth's in contention and now Rosang, i mean winning her first professional event yep. on sunday i mean she pops off the screen what is it about an athlete the staffs the reggie bushes the caitlin clarks that make people more interested in watching them do what they do versus everybody else who's incredible at their craft but maybe they're not electric <laughs> yeah you know i think it's you know there's something to athletes who kind of make the sport look easy right yeah um you talk about Kay caitlin clark um she makes the sport look easy the way that she shoots threes and the way that she attacks the basket and and it's like poetry emotion you know watching steph curry you know when he's um playing at a high level and he's knocking down three-pointers from the logo you know, and, 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 and then you see the effects of that, you know, that trickle down effect into the college space and into the high school. And I'm watching videos on Instagram of kids shooting the balls from half court, you know, <laughs> and it's like Steph and, and people like, you know, Caitlin Clark have really had a significant impact, I think, on a generation of, of athletes that are that are coming behind them. And, um, you know, it's just it's awesome. 
I just, again, I'm such a fan of, of just sports in general, you know, and that's why my kids play sports. I think every kid should play sports because when you watch these people on TV, you know, you're watching some of the most disciplined human beings on this planet and you're watching them, um, you know, compete at the highest level for high stakes competition. And it's literally, it's built in drama. You know what I'm saying? And I've been watching the playoffs. You know, this has been the most entertaining NBA playoffs I think I can remember in a long time. Um, and you don't know what's going to happen, right? Like Miami Heat have been just <laughs> knocking on the door and just knocking teams down um, and, and being put in these situations where you don't know if they're going to come out or not. And and so that's that's what sports is about. It's, it's about, you know, working hard in the offseason and, and leaving it all out there and, you know, trying to go win a trophy and, and or it's, you know, Brooks Kepka, um, you know, playing at a high level and, and maybe getting close to winning one competition and all of a sudden he battles back and wins another one. And you're like, damn, this guy's, you know, he's just playing lights out. Um, and it's, it's just exciting to watch, man. I, I love watching guys who can make the sport look easy because you know that they put in the work. And, you know, that's what I respect. I respect guys who put in the work. Um, I respect people who just show up every single day and they're the same person, right? Like you're not getting something different. You're getting the same exact person every single day, um, as long as they can do it. And you know that's that's what sports is about, man. And and I'm so happy to to just be able to have been a competitor. You know, in my opinion, one of the one of the biggest arenas. When did you know you were different? What age did you realize? Oh, I'm faster than these dudes. Oh, yeah. I'm shiftier <laughs> than these dudes. Oh, wow! Like yeah, yeah. I got these types of hands. Like what age did that hit you? as you were kind of going through the iterations of football. Yeah, that was really early. Okay, <laughs> okay. Like, I mean, are you like six? Was, uh, are you like seven? So I was I was nine years old, um, had just played. Okay. So it was my second game I ever played. Um, it was Little League Pop Warner football. And my second game I played, I only played running back. I never played any other position. Okay. Um, my second game that I played, I had eight touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> and it had 544 rushing yards, and this was in one game. <laughs> and so you peaked. You peaked at nine, Reggie. That was it. That was the best game. Yeah, I peaked at nine. <laughs> that was your best. Yeah. That was your best game. Yeah, a lot of people think the Fresno State game was my best game, but it was this game. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you still know the stats. Uh, Two athletes do not forget. You know, absolutely. Oh, oh no, we never forget. Like when you have those games, like that game just sticks out in your mind. You're like, oh, that was a game. That's the game that you're going to tell your kids about. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the game that you're going to tell your grandkids about. Like, no, I did this. Like, no, this really happened. And, and, um, but it's awesome, man, because I was very young. And, you know, I always tell kids when I get a chance to talk to them, you're never too early to know your passion, to know what you want to be in life, to know where you want to be in life. Um, and I knew at nine years old, really, probably before that, I knew this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be. Um, and I had a plan A and that was it. I never had a plan B. I never had a backup plan. Like, well, in case football doesn't work out, then I might go do this and this and that. But, you know, it was, it was strictly football. And, you know, I, I found, you know, my passion at nine years old. Um, and, you know, my kids, I feel like my son has found his passion. My middle son, he's named Uriah. He loves basketball and he's really good at it. And we practice and we work on every day. My daughter, she's still kind of juggling between soccer and tennis. But, um, you know, it's again, I, I always say you're never too early to know where you know what you want to be. And you're never too late as well, you know, because I also think that's important. You know, sometimes we have people that go through life and they're in their 30s, 40s, and they feel like they're never going to figure it out. All of a sudden, one idea 
and a couple of years later, they're a multi-millionaire or billionaire. Um, so, you know, it's just really about finding that passion and locking in on first is knowing what you want to be. Then once you know what you want to be, then you can go about attacking, you know, that specific craft and, and how you're going to get there and how you're going to be great at it. Have your kids started watching old dad highlights? Is when, when did that start? They have. What, yeah. What, what, how old were they when they started to dig into the YouTubes? <laughs> so my son, um, you know, he started. It's funny, he started collecting baseball cards, okay. and football cards, and that's actually something that I used to do when I was very young, and I actually still have. For sure. I still actually still have a folder of like old football tops. Remember tops? Yeah, yeah, top yeah, yeah, yeah. Trading cards. Of course. I had a bunch of tops trading cards, and and um, who was your who was your go to? Like, who did you? Who did you want their card? You know, everybody, like I had a whole bunch of Nolan Ryan yeah. cards. I grew up in East Texas, you know, like I was a Nolan Ryan guy. Who was your guy? So I'll give you my baseball guy was Ken Griffey Jr. That was a guy that I had, I was like, of course, had to get a Ken, Ken Griffey Jr. baseball card. Coolest guy in the room, you know, like, I mean, just the smoothest dude ever. Coolest guy in the room. This is it literally the reason why I wear my hat backwards? By the way, also it's because of Ken Griffey Jr. There you go. A lot of people don't know where it started, but back in the day, Ken Griffey Jr. was rocking a backwards hat in press conferences and got everybody <laughs> doing it. So also, so football, my guy was was prime. Deion Sanders, like I had to have Deion Sanders, Barry Sanders. Yep, those are my two guys that I tried to really like emulate my game after. And it's funny because you know I've gotten a chance to meet those guys um, before in person. Um, and great people, first of all, great people. But, um, you know, Barry Sanders was like, to me, the God of like football of running backs, like nobody could touch this guy. And then, but he had a very, very quiet personality. Um, and then Deion Sanders was very outgoing, very loud, it's opposite, <laughs> so opposite, but like it was showtime, you know, when the ball was in his hands. And I wanted to be both of those guys, but I couldn't, right? And so Deion Sanders returned punts. Um, and and obviously, Barry Sanders was a running back. And so I tried to take the best of both those guys. And that's why I played when I played. I played running back, but I also returned punts as well, returned kickoffs. And so, you know, those are kind of my guys. But, man, just, you know, the trading card stories I can give you, man, can go on forever of guys, of teams, of players that I had. And, um, you know, but going back to my son, he's found basketball. He loves it. We, we, we collect trading cards. We watch the playoffs together. But it's all going back to the story of just, I think he knows, you know, his passion, what he wants to do, and he wants to play basketball. So I love that he already knows that. And he's only seven years old. When did you start thinking, I wanted to sneak into the business of golf? Because, you know, you signed some deals yeah. with some companies. I know you're really, really excited about those initiatives. I know you're going to be at the U.S. Open mm -hmm. with Shrikson. When did yep. when did you start to think, this is a world I wanted to creep into? I would say it was probably about maybe four or five years ago. Okay. Um, and, you know, when I was really still finding my golf game, you know, still trying to, you know, work on my game and just trying to get better and just, but knowing that, you know, this was the area I wanted to be in because I loved it so much. I had such a strong passion for it. It's the thing that I'll get out of the bed at four or five o'clock in the morning for. It's the thing that um, I'll grind, you know, all day for on, on, on the driving range, you know, hitting shots, working on shots, shaping shots. You know, it's the thing that, you know, I, I pretty much kind of share that same feeling and excitement of, you know, when I was playing football. It's really cool and unique that, I've been able to find a second passion because not many people even get to their first passion. You know, there's a lot of people that go to the grave with, without ever knowing or finding their, their true craft. Um, and so for me, I obviously, you know, football was my first passion and I completed that. Um, and now I'm on to my second passion, which is golf. And uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm happy that I've been able to find it, but 
it was probably about four or five years ago. You know, we went through uh, some ups, some downs, some good shots, some bad shots. <laughs> um, I hit some shanks in on tee boxes. Uh, but I'm finally here now. You know what I mean? I finally feel like my golf game is is at a a, a really good level. What's the what's your hand? What's the handicap? Yeah, I'm down to a four four seven four point seven. Oh man! So it's don't it's get trending in the right direction. Listen, you can get to a zero, but you don't want to get to the plus number. When you have to give shots back, yeah. it's brutal. So when you listen, if you keep practicing, I'm already giving shots. You, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you get to that Z, if you get to that plus one, and you go. I got to give this guy a shot. No, thank you. Um, yeah. And you had a, you had an American last year. That's what we call back-to-back -back Eagles. Uh, we kind of made up the silly name yep. uh, in an event. <laughs> Is that your best accomplishment, back-to-back -back Eagles? Uh, that's definitely one I would hold up there. I had uh, one hole in one. Uh, Where was that at? at? One of my That was at so my boy Matt Liner. Uh, it was at his charity golf tournament. Nice. And it was actually kind of cool because we were on a tee box. I was, we was hitting our shots, you know, on the par three. They were on the next tee box looking at us hitting our shots on the par three. And it was Matt and a couple of my other college buddies all in the next group in front of us. And so they all saw it. And so when I hit, it was about, it was about 147 yards, nothing crazy. Uh, but when it one hopped and went in, I, it kind of disappeared. I couldn't see, you know, I thought my eyes were playing tricks on me. I was like, there's no way I hit a hole in one. So, but they all started running full speed towards me. <laughs> And I was like, no, what? And so we just kind of ran towards each other, like chest bumped in the middle of the field, like we were in a football game. <laughs> you, had, you had flashbacks. You're like, are we, are we in Southern California? Are we at USC? Yeah, are What's we? happening here? This is so crazy. You know, you've brought up a couple of college teammates. Yeah. Uh, how close is that team mm -hmm. still? How close are you to, I mean, because, you know, you played for multiple teams in the NFL, but how close yeah. are you to those teammates from your USC days? I say we're a lot of people. We're still pretty close. Okay. You know, we there's a group. There's a group chat of a lot of guys on this group chat where you know guys are texting, going back and forth, talking about you know the the games and stuff like that. Um, but you know, a lot of guys, you know, I think are still fairly close. Um, that team was really, you know, when we played, man, it just all all of my teams that I played on. That was one of the closest teams as far as just off the field. Um, you know, they, those guys were really like my brothers. And, you know, that was, you know, I think a great job, obviously starting with the head coach, Coach Carroll, and just the the camaraderie that he helped us build, the chemistry that we were able to build. Um, you know, Matt, to this day, is still my brother. I was actually just with him yesterday. We were at a beach party yesterday um, playing volleyball, beach volleyball. Um, so we, we still keep in contact with a lot of guys. You know, Coach Ogeron, Ed Ogeron, with the deep Cajun voice. Um, you know, I love him to death, and he's still one of my guys. Um, so, you know, again, you know, we have, I think everybody's still pretty close. It's because of what we built, you know, at USC. We built a, a, a brotherhood, you know, something that extends far beyond the field. To this day, if I ever, if any of those guys ever need anything, you know, I would do everything I can to help them out. Yeah, I mean, still one of the most, you know, I mean, when you think about those, the teams, like when I think about sports teams and you go yeah. through, you know, you go through the early 90s Duke teams, you know, the win back-to-back -back championships. Yep. You think about your team, you know, I mean, you think about the Texas yeah. team too. I mean, I'm a Texan. Yeah. I mean, I think about Vince and I think yeah. about running around the corner and I was watching that game yeah. in, in college <laughs> station with a whole bunch of A&M fans that were somehow rooting for Texas. But I mean, that's yeah. one of those, you know, I mean, the, the top of the mountain sports teams that when you go through and I mean, it makes a lot of sense that you guys are close. Yeah. Are you, as you're going through your iterations of being obsessed with golf, are you now to the point where it's like, all right, now we got to go on golf trips. Like, 
Are you planning yeah. going oh, places sure. and doing that yeah. now? Or are you, yeah, okay, good. Where Where have you gone? Where do you want to go? Yeah. So last year I went to Dubai. Nice. Went to in Dubai uh, for my birthday. Me and my uncle went out there and a couple of guys from uh, my country club, you know, went out there together. We golfed and that was an experience. Like I had a great time and I love being able to go to just different countries, different places. I want to experience it all. I want to golf at all the top courses. So that was one of my, you know, top, you know, one of my favorite trips. I go to Bandon Dunes every year. Okay. And I think Bandon Dunes to me is like, is like the golf mecca. Like you go there and it's literally strictly only golf. Um, and I go there every year. My friend uh, Joey Harrington uh, puts on a golf tournament, charity golf tournament there every year. And it's kind of cool, you know, the way he does it. First of all, it's called Battle, I think called Battle of the Dunes. And he brings two players. Uh, from the pack from each Pac-12 team. Oh, that's cool. And we all have like this Pac-12 kind of uh, competition, two-day golf tournament back to back, and um, it's pretty fun though. So it's kind of like you know we're all competing against each other for our schools, and so it's bragging rights. Um, last year we came in second place. Uh, this year I'm hoping to come in first place. <laughs> Who's your teammate? Uh, me and Matt Barkley. Okay, okay. How's Matt's so, game? So yeah, it has to. This, this game's good. Okay. He balled last year, too. So in their first nine-hole match, they won every hole, which was like the first time that it ever happened. They destroyed <laughs> the other – I forget whoever they were playing. You know, he he came in hot, balled out, and gave us a lot of points, and we came in second place, man. So we're trying to come in first this year. Get the trophy this year. Uh, I know you're going out to the, to the U.S. Open. Yeah. Who's on your list of players you want to watch, or who are your yep. favorite golfers to watch right now? I think right now is is you know Brooks Kepka and John Rahm. Okay. You know those are two guys at the top of, at the top that you know I just I love and and both of their swings I, I think really speaks to me because you know it's it's really closer to my swing. Okay. Um and, and so watching those guys watching the way they finish, uh, John Rahm you know with the I don't know what you call it, a shortened shortened swing like right it's, yeah yeah for sure he's not extending all the way no, back no. but I love it because it's short it's compact um, he gets through the ball. And, um, you know, that's everything that uh, also Brooks Kepler does. And I think he's like one of the greatest finishers of, you know, Bosch. when he strikes the ball, he just finishes everything. Nothing left behind. You know, he's he's getting through every ball. You know, he's striking the ball well. Both these guys are two of the, you know, top ball strikers, you know, on tour. And, you know, I, I just want to stand close so I can just hear the compression of when they strike the ball with their irons and their drivers. <laughs> that was always the Tiger story, right? I, I mean, I remember I was yeah. talking to, to Natalie Golbus years ago, and she said it was Tiger and Adam Scott were the only two guys that she'd ever been around that made the irons sound different, you know, even against yes. other professional golfers. And what's <laughs> wild is now the athlete in golf has – changed i mean you're you're talking about john ramen yeah and and you know though and brooks kepka those guys are big dudes they hit the ball really far mm -hmm. you know you, you mm -hmm. were talking about you know your son playing basketball and and what we're seeing in basketball sure there's still steph curry's but you know you think about the the latest mvps in the nba these are big dudes right i mean yeah big guys big yeah. big guys <laughs> are we at all losing finesse in sports as you know, obviously the knowledge of the body is continuing to grow and lifting weights and what to eat. Yeah. And even, I mean, as you know, mm -hmm. and this is something I've talked to Joel about is like these colleges. Now these cafeterias and the chefs and what they put in their body. I mean, very different than what you were probably eating oh. when you were dominating at USC. Yeah. We were eating pizza and hot. Yeah. You're getting McDonald's and stuff. I mean, you know, you're, you're, not, <laughs> you're not eating protein shakes at no. four in the morning and stuff. No, we had to, you know, it's funny. I, I didn't start really on the protein shake thing until I got to the NFL. Interesting. Um, because even at the college level, we just, you know, protein shakes is like, 
it just wasn't a thing, you know what I mean? And now I've even gone back to, to um, New Orleans Saints, uh, to, the, to the facility. They have a, a protein shake, like, bar set up <laughs> with the actual nutritionist, and they got a menu, and they got it's like it's like Jamba Juice in there. I'm like, what the hell? Like, where was I wish this? they had something like this. Like, where was this when we played? You know, because we were eating Sonics across the street. Sure. There was a Sonics, uh, the Sonics was across the street from the facility. And you know, I got to New Orleans. People got to also remember, I got to New Orleans five months after Hurricane Katrina. Okay, so there was a lot of stuff that just wasn't there and just didn't. They just didn't have. Um, and a lot of places, the places that were there either closed down early or they were short staffed or it was just it was just a different time period, man. And so, you know, it, there wasn't the, you know, the the great understanding of nutrition and nutritionists and uh, a lot of the things that I think some of the, the New England Patriots facilities that they had that I used to hear about, like sleep tanks and and like saltwater tanks that they could sleep in, things that they had light years before anybody else had. Um, were just stuff that just weren't around, you know, when I when I was in the league. And we just didn't have uh, the knowledge of the nutrition that we needed to put in our bodies. Again, like I said, we were eating Sonics across the street. Um, we were eating, you know, fast food or whatever we could, you know, to just to, to not be hungry. Um, and it was the same way in college as well. You know, in college we were broke. So it was even worse, you know, like you, you really – it was a different time. You get scraps at that point. <laughs> it was a different time period. So. What was the Reggie Bush Sonic order? What was it? What was your What was your go to Sonic? Uh, <laughs> this is not a Sonic plug, by the way. This is a no, no free ads. All, What's the What was the Sonic order in your day? I would get definitely the tater tots, of course, and I would get like one of the one of the burgers. Again, you know, it's it just we didn't have the knowledge, we didn't have the understanding, and you know, in college, like going back to college, like I said, um, we survived on oatmeal and fruit and literally it's like scraps at that point because um you just we didn't have any money you know obviously now you got the nil and this is this new you know this new world of kids making money in college and and being able to you know make money in college and i was not around you know when we were in we were in college so um but i'm excited for these kids now i'm excited that they do have a chance to make money in college because you know, i think for a very long time um you know we've kind of been lied to where you know, people believed in this um, notion that you're supposed to be broke in college and you're not supposed to have anything and you're supposed to be grinding and until four o'clock in the morning doing essays and midterms and exams. And it's like, you're like, God damn, this is it's like the dungeon. Right. Like, I'm supposed to be in a dungeon. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think a lot of people made this point, but, you know, I mean, 99% of college athletes aren't going to make substantial money as a professional in what right. they're doing. And so right. that's right. their time. I mean, you... You talk about USC. I mean, yeah. think about those teammates that you played with at USC that those four years are the best four years of their lives, and that would have been an opportunity mm -hmm. to cash in on not just the success, but, you know, the fame. You guys were the biggest show in Los Angeles, California. Like, yeah. how wild is that from a college team? And now, as you said, players can benefit from that. Before we go, I need the Reggie Bush yeah. breakdown scouting report on Reggie Bush's golf game. So what's the best part of the game? Okay. What's the worst part of the game or the part of the game that maybe needs the most improvement? I think the, the, the thing that I'm always, always mindful of trying to improve um, is just a about a hundred yards and in. Okay. I want to master a hundred yards and in, you know, because that's, that's, that's where you, you're getting up and down, right. Or it's a birdie. Um, maybe, you know, if you're lucky, you know, you can drive the green and two on a par five, you know, you're putting for Eagle, but for the most part for the average person or for the common person, you know, I'm trying to get pars, I'm trying to get birdies. 
Um, so I'm really, really right now I'm focused on mastering a hundred yards and in, um, and that's chip shots, you know, punch shots, you know, whatever I got to do to get on the green know, and get up and down or, or, or to get a birdie. You and me both. <laughs> and, and putting as well. You know, I think um, I work on putting every single day. Uh, I have a little putting perfect putt mat. Nice. Yeah, I know. I got one. <laughs> I got a little perfect putt mat. I got one behind me. <laughs> in my uh, in my living room that I work on every day. So I, I try to make sure I, I stop by there every day. That's my little station. Um, and I try to make sure I stop by there. I roll at least, you know, 40, 50 putts a day, um, just working on my stroke. Your speed, your line. Tempo, tempo. Yep, tempo. My putting tempo is so freaking important. And just the setup as well, you know, making sure my setup is the same. Um, you know, I, I would say, honestly, the, the thing that I'm also most mindful of always is my setup. Because I feel like okay. if I can master my setup, then that's going to give me the best shot to be consistent. Um, the best opportunity to be consistent on a golf course. And, and so I've, I've found that over the years, I've worked more on my setup than I have on my golf swing. And I found that as I've improved my setup, my golf swing has improved. My contact has improved. My compression has improved. I think my favorite part of my game right now is, is my driver, you know, my driver three with, you know, off the tee. Okay. I'm hitting it far. It's mashed potatoes every time I'm hitting off the tee. So <laughs> that's the best part. That's the A plus part of, of the experience. There you go. That's, it's being able to just keep it in play, the driver. You know, I think there's just, there's no better feeling, right? Like when it's not going right or going left and you just piped it right down the middle of the fairway or hit a nice draw. I haven't mastered the cut yet okay. with the driver, though. Even though I know I can do it, I know how to do it. I just haven't worked on it enough, you know? So I think that would be next phase is just mastering the cut with the driver um, because there's a few holes at Sherwood where you need to have that shot. I haven't really gone to it. I've just kind of played. Uh, so for example, on on 18 uh, at Sherwood, it's a hard dog leg right. And rather than me trying to play the cut, I've just been hitting kind of the straight ball, three wood right down the middle. But it's like, if I can if I can hit the driver, uh, a perfect cut, I probably have like a hundred and like twenty yards in. You know what I'm saying? Rather than a hundred and seventy yards, right. you know, with the three wood. Yeah, and especially when so, you're finishing the round. I mean, you know, you wanna you wanna be able to exactly. kind of get that squeeze cut and then get it exactly. down there. Um the what you said about the driver is so awesome because when you're dialed, I mean, everybody, you know, it's the drive for show, putt for dough thing. It's like I always yes, tell people yes, it's like, yes. you know, you're not putting <laughs> for any dough if you're not driving it in play, you know. So Exactly. Exactly. Driving in play is very important. It's like, especially now with like <laughs> modern technology is being able to bomb it out there yeah. changes the entire experience mm -hmm. on a golf course. It makes it so much more fun. So yep. when you're feeling confident with that, it's uh, it's way more of a fun four hours, man. I can't even tell you like when the times where I feel like I'm playing my best golf is when I'm keeping it in the fairway. Cause I know when I'm keeping it in play and I'm hitting it far, then I'm setting myself up for a great second shot. And if I'm doing that, then, you know, again, that means just my game is it, is right where it needs to be. Putting is, you know, something that, you know, every every golf course is different, right? Like when we played at um, Waste Management, I played in the Waste Management Pro-Am. Yep. I mean, those are some of the fastest greens I've ever played on, ever in my life. And it just felt like you're putting on glass. Um, and then, you know, you go to some different courses like LACC, the U.S. Open, where they're going to play U.S. Open. I played there a bunch of times. Those are some fast greens. Those are really, really fast greens. You know, I'm excited to see, you know, how some of the tour players, you know, kind of handle that because 
I would put LACC and and you know US Open this year and, and waste management. I would put those two those two courses, those two greens up against each other for some of the fastest greens, you know, in golf. Yeah, they're going to be lightning. By the way, I just want to say, I have, the first question I ask you was, did you ever think you'd be a golfer? You've already mentioned tempo and cuts <laughs> and draws and perfect putting mat. You are, yep. in fact, a golfer, Reggie Bush. I'm locked in, you're bro. Done, you're done. Well, I really appreciate the time. Thanks so much, and uh, enjoy yeah, man, LACC. Yeah, thank you, bro. Appreciate it. Had a great time. A huge thanks to Reggie Bush and to my man Joe for setting that up. Let's give a shout-out to Joe. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I really enjoyed getting the chat with him. I I remember watching that Rose Bowl uh, at my buddy's house in College Station, and uh, everybody there was rooting for Texas, and uh, it was pretty crazy to watch that back-and-forth affair and obviously Vince Young scoring. We were erupting. I know USC fans and Reggie fans were not, but what an epic game to think back on, and uh, very cool to see Reggie so into the game and interested in making bigger impacts than just being a golfer, which is uh, very, very cool. So, Big thanks to Reggie and his team for doing that. Hope you guys have a great week. Uh, just a quick tease, if you've listened this long, Max Homa on the podcast next week talking about LACC. That is going to come your way on Monday. So look out for that episode. Hope you guys have a great week. Hope you get out and play some golf and watch the KFT. Excited for Corn Ferry season to start in terms of TV times.